0: off.
1: You're listening to the Average Conservationist Podcast brought to you in partner with 2% for Conservation. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. 1% of your time plus 1% of your money equals 2% for conservation. 2% helps businesses and people pair with conservation causes to support things that fit what they care about. Whether you're into fishing, hunting, or just getting outdoors, 2% can help you not only start giving back to wildlife, but get certified for it. Getting 2% certified means you've made the same commitment as popular brands like Sitka, Stone Glacier, and Seek Outside in giving at least 1% of your time and dollars back to wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Breweries, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their community for doing so. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop. Learn more about 2% for conservation at fishandwildlife.org. That's fishandwildlife.org. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Average Conservationist Podcast, and I'm your host, Marcus Ewing. Today on the podcast, I am joined by Blaine Freeman, and Blaine is the owner and founder of 2% Certified Karen Coffee Roasters, uh, located in Charlotte, North Carolina. It just, I mean, I'll, I'll be very uh, frank, this was a, a super fun, super enjoyable conversation that I had with Blaine. Um, I've talked about it a few times uh, with past guests, but sometimes you... You just kind of catch your stride pretty early uh, in a conversation, and next thing you know, it's an hour, uh, and we got to start wrapping things up, um, you know, to to respect the guest time, and and that's certainly how today's conversation went. Um, You know, Blaine and I get to spend a good amount of time kind of talking about the path that led him to uh, starting Karen Coffee Roasters, Um, you know, the role that the outdoors has kind of played uh, in his entire life, growing up in Pennsylvania, uh, you know, bouncing around the United States for work uh, throughout the course of his career. Uh, you know how important the outdoors were to uh, you know his family, uh, making sure that wherever they uh, landed, that they were able to get out, uh, enjoy nature, and show their kids. Um, you know why the outdoors is so important um you know it was such a big part of of blaine's life growing up and he wanted to make sure that his kids at least had the opportunity to experience that um and you know spending a, a good amount of of time in the pacific northwest um they got to experience um, a lot of you know what uh what the pacific northwest has to offer with you know hiking and camping and um you know that's Really, now that he's started Karen Coffee Roasters, um, you know, access to the outdoors, hiking and camping um, has certainly become a a very um, big point of emphasis for uh, the work that he's doing with giving back to local uh, organizations there in North Carolina to, uh, you know, open up access to, you know, all sorts of, of different places for people. And we kind of talk about it, but... With, you know, hiking, camping, things like that, I mean, those are things that there's a very uh, low barrier to entry. Um, It can certainly get a lot more people involved. A lot more people probably like to hike and just enjoy outdoors and maybe hunt or fish. While Blaine certainly loves to um, do those things, the, the, the hiking and the ability to access our public lands was something that he really wanted to put his focus on. Uh, We also get into, you know, what it was like starting uh, a business right in the middle of the pandemic and why he actually decided to start a coffee company. So I'm going to let Blaine explain that much better than I could hear. So episode 95, Blaine Freeman. Uh, Before that, I want to tell you about our friends over at Stone Glacier. Uh, If you have not, for whatever reason, up to this point, downloaded the Stone Glacier app, Head over to iTunes or Google Play. Be sure and download the Stone Glacier app there. And stay up to date with really everything that Stone Glacier has going on. They've dropped a bunch of cool films uh, up to this point this year, uh, first part of the year. They dropped a bunch of new uh, technical outerwear, um, some new base layers, uh, a few new packs, um, you know, Stone Glacier, um, in my time working with them over the last couple of years, have been uh, just absolutely amazing to work with. Um, you know the guys over there. If you call and want to order something, the customer service team over there is great. They get you squared away, super easy, super quick, and you know that's just kind of uh, icing on the cake because all of the gear that I own from Stone Glacier is absolutely bombproof. Uh, I've been Absolutely uh, amazed at the quality and the toughness. I mean, I, I beat up my stuff pretty good um, and it just keeps going. So, head over to StoneGlacier.com, check them out, grab yourself a pack, sleep system, uh, as I mentioned, some base layers, uh, some sweet uh, everyday apparel, whatever you're looking for. StoneGlacier.com has it for you. Check it out. All right, Mr. Blaine Freeman, how are you today, sir? Oh, I'm doing great. How are things with you, Marcus? Uh, pretty well. Uh, we talked a little bit here before we actually started recording, but it is uh kind of your prototypical rainy dreary spring day uh here in Michigan, and you would think that with all this rain and moisture that we've gotten over the past, you know, week to 10 days, we'd start to see some green, but as I'm looking out my window here, everything is still pretty brown.
0: Oh, well, we're, we're getting some rain here in the uh, Charlotte area, too, and I can assure you green is on its way. Uh, things are uh, starting to bloom here, and uh, of course, you know, the grass is green, which means it needs cut, so start of a
1: new season, right? Yeah, the, uh, the never-ending uh, job of trying to stay on top of keeping your grass cut, and if you're uh, – well, like for myself, I live in a subdivision, so everyone – uh, and the neighborhood always tries to outdo the other one with keeping their grass, you know, finely manicured and everything like that. And yeah, as soon as, as soon as April hits, you know, mid April here in Michigan, yeah, it becomes a, a bit of a chore for the rest of the year. <laughs> uh,
0: so it's nice to drive home and see a well-kept lawn. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I understand and, uh. Some places we lived around the country. Uh, there was uh, quite a bit of competition within the various subdivisions to see who could have the best lawn. Even uh, awards given to different homes. So, oh boy, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I just try to keep it presentable and uh, <laughs> and uh, move on from there.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, Blaine, we've obviously we we've had it. We had a chance to catch up for a bit last week, and then obviously before um, you know we start recording here. But I'm certainly excited today to. To get into a bit more detail, um, you know, on your past and you know your journey into the outdoors. Um, obviously, Karen Coffee Roasters. How you got to this point? You know how conservation uh, kind of ties ev- into everything. So yeah, I'm definitely excited to uh, to get a bit more in depth today.
0: All right, great. I'm looking forward to it, Marcus.
1: Yeah. So let's. Uh, I guess in terms of the outdoors, I want to establish a bit of a baseline. Uh, so I, I always really love hearing, you know, how people are introduced to the outdoors, what their journey kind of looked like, um, you know, why, you know, why people love the outdoors. So Blaine, if you can kind of walk me through that process for you, what did your introduction to the outdoors look like? When did you get started? All that good stuff. Well,
0: um, yeah, I, I had the, uh, the, the great, uh, fortune or blessing of growing up in Pennsylvania, in, uh, South Central Pennsylvania, uh, and, um, uh, my dad was a, uh, a hunter and a fisherman. Um, he grew up on a uh, Depression-era farm uh, up in uh, north-central uh, Pennsylvania. And so, uh, you know, being a self-sustaining uh, farm, uh, he, he uh, knows now and, uh, uh, you know, obviously did then more about farming animals and the outdoors and, and how the land can give and how you can give back to the land uh, than, than I think I ever will. Um, and, and he, uh, it was important to him to uh, pass that on to us. And so I remember, um, you know, he, he took my uh, brother and I out as soon as we were, you know, um, uh, old enough, uh, uh, to, uh, you know, um, uh, not only learn how to shoot, but he would take a squirrel hunting. We had a beagle, we'd go rabbit hunting. Uh, and of course, uh, uh, you know, a, a Pennsylvania tradition, we would, uh, we would go deer hunting every year. And, uh, it was just, a uh, you know, um very impressionable for me uh and i learned uh, you know in those outings uh you know whether sitting still in the in the woods uh um you know waiting for uh, uh, squirrels uh, or you know dad putting us on you know stand in an area of our old uh, um you know the the farm that he grew up on we still own some of that property in pennsylvania uh, you know putting us on stand to, to sit still uh and uh, uh wait for deer uh just you know, being in the woods, observing, uh, you know, what goes on around you, you know, was as the sun comes up, as the day progresses, It was just fascinating to me, uh, to see, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the birds, when they would come to, you know, and become active and, you know, move through and, in, in, uh, groups and, uh, and whatnot, it was just, just fascinating and, and attention uh, grabbing for me. And then of course, uh, you know, my friends likewise, uh, uh, had the same experiences. We spent a lot of time uh, each day you know during summer break uh, from uh, school, uh, just uh, spending all day uh, in the woods, exploring uh, hiking, and uh, just was um, uh, very impressionable and kind of anchored me to a love for the outdoors. and of course, as I you know um, you know as I grew older, um, i I uh, got out of high school, I went into the military uh, and, uh, had the uh, privilege of traveling, uh, uh, quite a bit, uh, throughout uh, Europe sometime, uh, in, uh, Japan and, uh, you know, experiencing some other, uh, uh, opportunities there. Um, but I always, you know, look forward to getting back. If I could get some time off to spend time, uh, again, you know, with my, with my dad and, uh, uh going on, even if it was, if it was just a couple days, just going on a deer hunting trip. Uh, of course, you know, uh, um, you know as we all do you know parents uh, get older and their their ability to uh, keep up with those activities gets diminished but that you know passion that uh, desire to be engaged in the outdoors always stuck with me and i began pursuing more and more opportunities you know as i as i uh, uh, matured and and uh, my wife and i uh, we uh, got married uh in 1991 and um uh we've lived uh, all around the country um We've lived in uh, Tennessee and Indianapolis. Uh, We lived uh, for several years out in the Seattle area. Um, And uh, Seattle is where we we raised our children. And and, uh, we spent a lot of time with them uh, hiking and camping and fishing and just really enjoying the the tremendous opportunities that are in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, uh, The uh, North Cascades National Park. Uh, olympic national park um these are just uh, beautiful areas to explore and spend time in and uh, so yeah that that uh, uh really pulled us into the uh, hiking and camping and backpacking uh, activities i still hunt and fish but i've learned to to enjoy uh just even just a local hiking day trip uh just as much uh, it's just that time outside and uh desire to, uh, you know, preserve that and keep that for future generations. That's been instilled in me.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, <clears throat> you know, growing up, uh, and, and I'm going to be a bit biased and a bit partial, but, you know, being from Michigan here, um, you know, two, you know, Michigan and Pennsylvania are two of the most, um, tradition, uh, rich, um, states as far as the outdoors, um, especially in this, this part of the country, uh, that there is, and you know when i've i've had a few guests uh, different guests on uh, from the pencil from the state of pennsylvania and the the upbringing the stories uh you know how they were introduced are all very similar right it's almost um i don't want to necessarily say necessarily say rite of passage but it's it's just something that you're almost born into uh and like you said having a father who uh you know was a big hunter and fisherman um you know it's they and and imagine at that time they weren't probably nearly as vocal um uh, or as uh gosh, what's what I'm looking for here the the outward uh, expression of or the outwardly showing and demonstrating, you know, their love for the outdoors, it uh, it's a little bit different than the way I guess it's probably conveyed today where, you know, we're trying to have these conversations and explain to them, you know, the importance of, you know, why we give back and everything like that. It's, you know, back then I feel like it was, uh, you know, more through... I guess leading by example, you know, just, you know, as a kid, you're a sponge, right? And you're just soaking up constantly what you see your parents doing and how, especially in the outdoors, how you're seeing them, um, you know, treat the animals, uh, you know, treat the land mm-hmm. that they're on. I mean, those, those are the things that you just uh, learn by watching and it's certainly interesting to see how, you know, people from this part of the country um, are kind of born into that and, and it's kind of just a, a part of their lifestyle from a very very early age. Oh
0: yeah, I I uh, uh I remember uh, one instance uh, this made an impression on me with my with my dad. It was at our our uh family farm property um uh, which is up, actually up near Clearfield, Pennsylvania. Uh and and uh um you know there were a couple of uh clear, you know, old old farm plots that are, had since you know started to uh, regrow and uh, repopulate with trees and and whatnot but some you know some beautiful areas uh to to, to sit and watch for deer and there was a, a you know a gorgeous evergreen evergreen tree uh overlooking one of those uh beadows. and 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 one day um my dad uh caught a guy had uh he had trespassed but that wasn't really what upset my dad so much he had cut out uh huge you know bottom boughs. Uh, of that uh, uh, tree, you know, and, and branches and cleared out, you know, this is, this is uh, probably a hundred year old uh, tree and uh, had, had uh, cleared out a side of it so he could uh, put up his uh, uh, stand and uh, watch for deer. And my dad was more upset about that. It was a waste, you know, that, that, that this, this person took from that tree, took from the property uh, whatnot and just, and just wasted it. Um, my dad was more upset about that than he was the fact that the guy was trespassing. <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, a, it's just very impressionable.
1: Yeah. And I'd imagine that, you know, I'm not sure uh, the age that you were at at that time, but well, I guess, let me ask you, was there at the time, did you, you know, fully understand, you know, why your dad was so upset or, or were you a bit confused and I, it wasn't until a little I, later on in life when it kind of, it made a lot more sense as to why that, he was that's so right. upset. It come, it,
0: it, it, Yes, it comes back to you later in life, and that's what it did for me.
1: I mean, you know, being being a uh, um,
0: well, you know, um, I I was probably uh, fourteen or so uh, at the time. You know, I I I would have thought Dad would have been more upset about the the trespassing. Sure, Um, but that area of the country, you know, there's a lot of uh, you know, just uh, from the different generations, people grew up together. There's a lot of land sharing, and you know, people move about on other people's property. It was just never really a big deal. Um, but yeah, just then that and, and watching my dad and, and the way that he, uh, interacted with, um, um, uh, the outdoors and, and how he treated it, you know, you know, picking up discarded soda cans, just, you know, spontaneously, you know, while we were out and about fishing, things like that start to make that impression. And, and, and then, you know, uh, as he, you know, tells you that, you know, you, you, you have to, take care of the land because you take from the land, uh, but you also need to get back to it. Um, And uh, that was his way. And uh, uh, of course, you know, those are very hard lessons learned for him growing up uh, in, like I said, in a Depression era farm, Um, you know, trying to eke out a living with uh, multiple siblings and, um, you know, uh, in, in a very rural part of the country. Um, you know, was, was very hard. So, so waste was not something that he was inclined to do. And he absolutely despised uh, uh, waste. It was, and, and so that came through, uh, in his appreciation for the land and the outdoors as well.
1: Yeah, and during uh, that time, I mean, you you were certainly hunting. Uh, I'd imagine um, much more for sustenance than maybe we are nowadays. You know, I I, I know I certainly. I mean, I love you know, speaking of deer. I love venison. Uh, so many different ways you can cook mm-hmm. it, especially if you're if you're preparing it right. I mean, that's uh, I I just I absolutely love wild game. And yeah, the last mm-hmm. thing that you know us as hunters want to do is waste any of that. But in, in that you know, era, um, yeah, people needed, uh, that food to survive, you know, like, like yes. you said, if you, if you've got multiple siblings in a depression era, I mean, yeah, nothing goes to waste. And, you know, if you can shoot, you know, four or five deer, you know, that's going to get you through the winter into the spring. I mean, it's going to, you know, last you, uh, quite a while.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they hunted, uh, for sustenance. Uh, my, my dad tells stories. I don't really remember my grandfather. He, he died when I was very young but would tell me stories about my, uh, my grandfather, he would go out and and hunt just for, for the enjoyment. You know, a couple of grouse weren't going to feed the family, but that was his way of, uh, you know, getting out and, uh, um, you know, just spending uh, a couple of hours, uh, out on the property, walking the property. And, um, um, you know, uh, apparently he was a, uh, a uh, pretty doggone good shot with a uh, a single shot 22 and could clean up some squirrels so <laughs> <laughs> nice uh yeah it's a uh it was definitely uh some sustenance and then of course that transitions into you know uh you want to continue doing that you know i'm sure you know for my dad it was just part of him um you know growing up and then he instilled that in us um you know i i joke with my wife if if we were if i were hunting now for sustenance we would be starving because i'm uh, <laughs> generally not very successful uh but uh, uh i do it just because it's a a a, a, a part of me and, and and i enjoy the 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 whole experience uh of uh, getting out and um uh just exploring spending some time away and uh, the clarity and focus it can bring to your to your thoughts
1: yeah and i loved what you had said uh earlier on there about you know you know kind of watching the world wake up right watching mother nature wake up in the morning you know i've i've mentioned this on the podcast a few times um but my favorite part about hunting is like that last you know half hour of the day and and not for the obvious reasons not just because that's typically the time when you know you see a lot more movement with the animals and things like that you know the golden hour and all that but yep. i enjoy it because it seems like everything just goes quiet it goes still um, you know, as, you know, being that you're out there hunting, your senses are ultra heightened, um, just because of the moment. But in that moment, you just, you see and experience so much more, um, than you ever would if, you know, you were, you know, just out for a walk at that time of day, right? If you're, you're sitting still and you're watching mother nature, you know, do her thing. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Some of the experiences I've had just out whitetail hunting and some of the things that I've seen, um, you know, I, I never would have had, uh, a chance to, to see or experience those things if I was, you know, just out for a stroll, uh, through the woods or if I was, you know, had my phone out and was playing on that while I was in the tree stand or something like that. And it's, uh, yeah, that's easily, you know, my, my favorite part, uh, of the day when I'm in the woods. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. There's, there's, uh, you know, I, um, uh, have had the privilege of hunting in Ohio for several years now, um, uh, archery hunting and, uh, uh, you know, we experienced some pretty, pretty cold seasons, um, uh, there, you know, um, and, and just sitting in the, in the stand, you know, it's dark and you're cold. And, uh, and then, you know, the, the light in the sky starts to change. You hear a couple birds start to wake up, squirrel moving around. It is just, I don't know, uh, really, really, um, um, uh, you know, helps, helps you tune in and be sensitive to the things that are going on around you. And, you know, and then as the sun comes up and that and that light, uh, you know, can come across and, and warm you, and you. You think about um, uh, what, you know, what a difference um, uh, that makes kind of, you know, uh, maybe maybe a little bit of a primal connection there, uh, y- you know, uh, oh, uh, just, just the, y- y- you know, uh, um, um, uh, experiencing that. Uh, and then, yeah, and just seeing the uh, the woods come to life and uh, animals move about, some are you know uh, closing down for the day, and some are just you know getting active and the change throughout the day of what you see and experience. Um, you know, if you just sit and be be patient uh, and it's it's just amazing what what you can see i uh, a few years ago a I, uh, I was at the end of the day. um I was sitting still had been patient. I had only seen a couple of deer all day. And a, a, a beautiful buck stepped out to the edge of this, uh, uh, cut, uh, cornfield, uh, you know, it was archery hunting. So he was a little too far away. And I thought, Oh man, you know, you know, you know, wait here. It was just, he was just gorgeous, but he just stood there and you could tell he was thinking, or, you know, as much as, <laughs> as much as a deer can, something's not right. <laughs> and he turned around <laughs> and walked back into the woods. You know, you're, you're like, it was it was great, you know. that was a great experience. I wasn't disappointed at all. Uh, it was just uh, wonderful to have that experience and to see and know that, you know, an animal doesn't get to that age, that size, and and uh, that uh, um, uh, you know that that stage of its life and become a, a dominant buck in the area by making stupid
1: decisions. Yeah, by just wandering <laughs> you know, out into every cut cornfield in the uh, in the county. Yeah. <laughs> at least not during daylight. <laughs>
0: Exactly. Just gives you an appreciation, you you know, for for that. And, uh, you know, hey, great. Good, you know, uh, good for him. Uh, Climb down from the stand and call it a day.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So growing up in Pennsylvania, you graduate high school. Now, did you go into the military directly after high school?
0: I did. I was uh, uh, sitting in uh, boot camp about uh, 10 days after my high school graduation.
1: Okay, What branch did you serve in?
0: I was in the navy. I spent uh, five years in the navy, okay. um, and uh, yeah, it gave me an opportunity to uh, spend time uh, in Japan, uh, as well as uh, on a, a ship uh, for a few years, uh, where I uh, was able to travel um, all really all around uh, uh, Western Europe uh, and the Mediterranean. Um, there were great experiences. So I've been through uh, uh, Egypt and Israel, through Italy, France, Germany, um, all all of those experiences helped me then uh when i got my uh, you know moved into a civilian career and still found myself uh traveling uh not quite as extensively but uh, also uh, traveling to
1: europe so what comes next then you 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 serve your time in the military what comes next after that
0: yeah so the military time really helped me
1: you know understand what it is i uh, wanted to pursue as a
0: as a uh, at least as a trade and uh, i got out i went um uh, I moved back to uh, Pennsylvania with my parents, uh, went back to school to get an electronics degree. Uh, and then um, that's where I met my uh, uh, wonderful wife. Um, I uh, graduated uh, in uh, 1991. I already had a job lined up in Memphis, Tennessee. So my wife and I got married on a Saturday and that Sunday we were driving off, uh, you know, with a packed uh, small pickup uh, to our new life in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, so not not much of a of a honeymoon. No, <laughs> have, um, tried to make that up over the years. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we went there. We lived there for about four years. Uh, that's where I developed an interest in uh, uh, bird hunting, um, and uh, uh, you know, got my first uh, bird dog, a really uh, you know wonderful uh, uh, New England bred English setter. Uh, had him trained and spent time with a uh, a dog trainer who's in the. Uh, uh, the uh, bird dog uh, hall of fame. Oh, wow. Uh, down there in the, uh, near the Memphis area. Uh, w- wonderful guy. Uh just was, it was just a fount of knowledge. And um, it was one of those, you probably had those experiences where you're like, yeah, there's nothing I can contribute here. I'm just <laughs> going to listen and learn. <laughs> yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, so so you know, I had a great time there. Then we moved to uh, uh, the Indianapolis area and, uh, also, uh, um, you know, did some more bird hunting there as well as out in, uh, Iowa, uh, and, uh, just enjoyed that. And, and uh, unfortunately my, my, uh, setter, uh, um, uh, died, uh, uh, pretty early in, in, in life is just a, a particular condition. And so then I, uh, um, bought, uh, um, or bought or acquired a, a German wire Haired pointer when we were in, uh, Indiana. And, uh, I'm sure if anybody's listening out there and they have a German wire hair, they can identify with it being just a tremendous, uh, bird dog and all around, uh, uh hunting dog. Uh, but mine was also a miserable house companion. So, uh, <laughs> with, not the best choice with, uh, uh, you know, a, a one-year-old and a two-year-old, uh, uh in, you know, in the house. And so we moved, uh, to Seattle, uh, did a lot of, um, hunting there, um, spent a lot of time in the outdoors. And, um, of course I was a little bit younger then. So yeah, getting up uh, in the morning, uh, at, uh, three o'clock in the morning and driving across the mountains to go, uh, chucker hunting in uh, Eastern Washington uh, or something like that. And then driving back that evening, I was, a uh, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. And then I enjoyed the opportunities to, uh, uh get both of my kids out, uh, to experience uh, that as well. And, uh, Yeah, those were were some great uh, formative times. In 2000, we had the opportunity to move back to the East Coast uh, with my same employer. Um, And uh, um, uh, we we didn't necessarily want to move back to Pennsylvania. Uh, So uh, there was an opportunity here in the Charlotte area. So uh, we took that, brought us back closer to family. Um, There's a lot we miss about uh, the Pacific Northwest, but uh, uh, North Carolina uh, and uh, uh, Tennessee – uh, the mountains of Georgia and South Carolina, just also a beautiful, beautiful area. Um, and it's, you know, a great experience to get out into the outdoors here as well.
1: Yeah. I think sometimes, um, you know, people sleep on, on that area of the country a little bit when it comes to the outdoors. Um, I mean, I mean, not, you know, people that live there obviously, but, you know, North Carolina, um, Tennessee. Georgia, South Carolina, they have some absolute beautiful country and it's, it's certainly much different than it is here, um, kind of in the Midwest and, and the East a little bit with Pennsylvania there and where you grew up, but there's, you know, there's great trout fishing, you know, the deer hunting is a little bit different, but you know, there's still great opportunities down there and with the Smokies down there, it's just, I, I think it's, uh, you know, oftentimes overlooked when, when people are talking about, you know, great places to, uh, to really experience the outdoors.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, we, uh, you know, of course, did some research before before moving here and, you know, what, you know,
1: what can we do? You
0: know, we can get to the beach in four hours. We can get up to the mountains. In a few weeks, we'll be going to one of our favorite parts of the Smoky Mountains. It's on the North Carolina side. It's uh, uh, the Cataloochee Valley. And, um, uh, you know, the Park Service has a nice uh, 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 small campground there. Uh, and I can go fish for uh, wild trout. And see elk, uh, you know that's a great day. Western North Carolina, yeah, that's outstanding. You know that, and it's wonderful to, to see the the care that gets put into you know keeping that park, uh, maintaining it, preserving it, uh, improving it, making it accessible for people, but also keeping uh, you know the wilds uh, clean and free uh, and well managed. And uh, um, yeah, I, I don't remember the the total miles, but uh uh it's a it's a significant uh number uh, i think in the hundreds of uh miles of uh free flowing streams with uh wild trout um you know you gotta cut back your expectations you know if you were a steelhead fisherman in uh in washington or oregon it's going to be a little different they're a bit smaller but it's just very exciting and and uh you know great time to get out and it's it's similar to the trout fishing we did uh up in pennsylvania smaller streams um you know, uh, the trout are, are much more uh, alert and aware to what's yeah. going on. And so, yeah, but, uh, it's, it's a, it's a great day nonetheless.
1: Yeah. That's how a lot of the trout streams are here, uh, in Michigan. I mean, we've got a few, um, you know, really great fisheries, uh, like in the Asabo river. Um, I mean, there's, there's just some, some oh, yeah. world-class water, you know, here in the Midwest for, for trout, but you know, those fish, you know, have seen any and everything. Uh, from the end of a fly line and they are, they're tough to catch. And, you know, you certainly, uh, during times of the year, uh, the hex hatch when you're doing all the night fishing, I mean, you can certainly catch some, uh, some much bigger fish, but you know, some of the, the, the trout streams, you know, local to where, to where I live. I mean, if you catch, you know, if you catch a, you know, a 10 inch Brown, you're like, whew. Yeah. Like now, now we're talking, now we're getting into them. Right. Yeah, but I think just yep. the, this, the, the small stream fishing, uh, one, it makes you a better angler because you've got no room to back cast. Everything's pretty much a roll cast. Um, you know, you got to fit it into these super tight windows. You're probably only going to get one chance at the fish uh, if you if you see one rising, or if it just you know looks like an area. Uh, but yeah, that's that's uh, yeah. that type of trout fishing is is always fun and super rewarding, no matter what you catch.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I I, I love to get out. And again, you know, you know, I've learned over the years to uh so if i'm if i'm on a fishing trip that's that's great that's why that's why i'm out but you also have to enjoy everything else about that um you know about that trip uh um so so uh um you know it gets warm enough here um in the early summer that you can wade into a lot of the streams without waders, just a pair of boots on uh, or something and uh uh i remember uh uh you know, standing in a stream and feeling something on my leg. And I looked down at a, and a crawfish or crayfish, I guess, depending on the part of the country you're from <laughs> was, was up at the top of my boot trying to get up my leg. You know, it's just, it's just little things like that.
1: Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. You know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you moved back to North Carolina, uh, with, as you mentioned, uh, the same employer that you had now, did you uh, retire from that position and then decide to get into coffee roasting? I, I
0: just decided to, to make a change. Um, so I spent um, uh, 30 years, about 30 years, a little over 29, uh, in that industry, healthcare imaging, I've, uh, just a variety of roles in customer service, marketing, sales, even in uh, IT. And uh, I've always had this uh, urge, uh, kind of an entrepreneurial urge, you know, gosh, you know, could I, could I do it? Could I actually have my own business? What would that be like? Um, Stressful, you know what? Yeah, <laughs> very much so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's actually a short chapter in a book, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, very. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and uh, uh, so uh, been noodling these uh, ideas over the years. Well, I could do this. Uh, um, I remember listening to uh, the, the the previous podcast with the uh, two guys. I think it was Tierra Distilling.
1: Yeah. Yep. Uh, out of uh, yeah about- Illinois. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah. They had, they had uh, talked about becoming uh, consultants within their field of expertise. And I thought about that and then ruled that out because I didn't really want to stay in that industry. I wanted to do something different. Uh, so I've looked at, um, uh, you know, uh, look at, at uh, beer and brewing beer, at wine, uh, at, uh, uh, you know, coffee. These were all like things I, I, I liked, um, uh, probably because of my experience in customer service. I like. Uh, service type uh, industries. I like uh, to, um, to to solve problems, to, to help arbitrate. Uh, I like to create, and I, and I like uh, when people are happy uh, with um, the end result, uh, whether that's um, uh, you know a repair, um, a uh, uh, you know a, a, a financial uh, resolution, uh, or a uh, you know a product or something like that, and so. Um, that's kind of what drew me to those those industries. Um, and uh, as I was doing that, I, I started to get serious about it, said, you know, I'm just kind of not, really not enjoying what I do anymore. It is no no real, no real joy in it, no um you know every job has its drawbacks. It's, sure, it's, that's you know plainly evident. but uh, you, you know you have to find something that you like about your work, and uh, that was getting harder and harder to do. And I thought, well, you know, my kids are grown. Uh, they're, they're, um, out, out uh, on their own now. And, um, you know, if, if I don't do it now, when am I going to do it? And, and, you know, what will I be saying, you know, if I live to a, to a much older age? So we just took the chance. We did some, you know, looked at our finances and is this something we could do? Um, and I uh, settled on uh, coffee, uh, and uh, there are obviously—I know you've inter- interviewed uh, other uh, uh, coffee roasters within the coffee industry. There are so many different things you could you could do. Uh, so I started exploring roasting. Uh, uh, we uh, we sold our our house, which to downsize, uh, and moved into an apartment uh, while we were uh, building a, a, a smaller house. And that's when COVID hit, and of course, you know, we were uh, we were locked down. So. Um, I just spent a lot of time pouring myself into learning about coffee, the industry, roasting in particular. I read books, took online classes, um, you know, read material from uh, from websites, and just practiced. I bought a small roaster uh, to use in the apartment. I remember the, the first time I used it was a complete failure. We had a we had a, we were on the bottom floor. We had a garage with our apartment. I, I flooded it with smoke. It was pouring up, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the outside, and people were walking by. I was like, "Yeah, it's, it's all under control."
1: <laughs> Move along, it was, it was nothing fun. to see here.
0: Yeah, yeah, nothing <laughs> to see here. And uh, uh, so, so that's how I started learning about it, and and uh, started working on uh, you know a business plan and uh, what would this look like. The other reason I, I I chose coffee was well, one, I I enjoy it. You know, I've been drinking coffee. Uh, for a lot of years and I've had it prepared, uh, several different ways. Some, some quite memorable, uh, the Navy coffee, uh, is, uh, memorable, but in a negative way, <laughs> uh, you know, was was, that wasn't the best experience. Uh, but, um, uh, it was also, it's, it's a very scalable, um, business, particularly, uh, coffee roasting. So you can really start small, uh, and build and reinvest and, and, and grow it uh organically and uh so that's that's why we settled on that and um we just made the decision to to move forward with it you know hey we're in a global pandemic living in an apartment i might as well leave my job and start a small business because it, it just can't get any more stressful than that
1: yeah timing um, is everything get,
0: yeah right get it all over with so we finally we got everything to the point we we um my wife worked on a small uh farm she was a ground uh, a groundskeeper uh this um uh so it's a really nice uh, small small property uh, out in this uh area where we live and uh they had uh, built some um uh, airbnb rentals uh and they have like an um you know the their, the experience that that people have when they go there is um it's quiet um you know it's an outdoor shower it's 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 just really neat it's just very it's very different uh, they have about uh, 40 acres uh, and they uh, uh, they had uh, horses at one time. So they have a really nice, large horse barn. And they had, at the same time I had this idea, they had the idea of renovating that horse barn and, and uh, leasing out some spaces. And so I helped them with the uh, renovation. It was a lot of manual labor uh, uh, doing that uh, and getting it ready. Um, and uh, we had our roaster installed and uh, had, you know, worked with it and, and whatnot and started selling our first uh, copy uh, at the uh, end of 2020 and just haven't looked back. We've just been uh, moving forward with it since then. Um, and uh, the the avenue that we've taken for, for sales, uh, because we, we are on private property, so it's not a, uh, uh, you know, people can come and visit, but it's just not readily open uh, to the public but our public face is uh um through uh farmers markets um as well as uh s- selling through wholesale and uh and online uh so the one thing we love to do is talk face to face with our customers that's just a uh, great experience
1: yeah and you know when when you were talking about some of the 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 options uh, or roads to possibly go down with starting We're starting your own own brand, your own company. Um, One thing I noticed about all three of those is it's almost like you just said or or piggybacking off of what you just said. All of those uh, items, whether it was wine or uh, beer or coffee, like they're all things that are in a, you know, for the most part, a social environment. I mean, sure, you can, yeah, you drink coffee, you know, at home in the morning. But, you know, maybe you're with your wife or your kids or, you know, business meetings happen, you know, at a coffee shop or over coffee Uh, You can drink alone, sure, uh, you know, beer, wine, but it's never as Mm -hmm. fun as in a group setting or anything like that. So it's uh, and then your approach with wanting to, you know, be face to face with your customers. I mean, I think, um, you know, even though you landed on coffee, any of those uh, three choices uh, all kind of lend themselves to that, that very front facing, you know, being able to speak to people. um, I, I see where the connection lied in all three of those. And then, you know, obviously, you know, us getting to, to chat, you know, last week and then today, I mean, I can certainly see that that is absolutely in your personality. That's, that's your, uh, that, that's where, that's your sweet spot. That's your comfort zone. It seems like.
0: Oh uh, yeah. Yes. yes I, I, I would agree. Um, it's uh, I think I told you last week, I mean, b- uh, by, by nature uh, I'm an introvert, obviously over the years, you know, you have to learn to flex and uh, you know, come out of your shell a little bit and, and, and uh, talking about coffee with customers talking about um uh you, you know the outdoors and experiences and hearing from them uh you know what they like what they enjoy uh, in a cup of coffee how they prepare it are they morning coffee drinkers do they have a cup in the afternoon um yes, y- yes you know yes. it's just <laughs> just yes yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> do i have one at nine o'clock at night well you know sometimes <laughs> it depends <laughs> and uh um uh, it, you know it's just great to share those experiences and and uh, uh, you know find things in common uh, and you know make that connection with them. and 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 we have uh, customers who we have met face to face or or maybe we haven't, uh, you know, and they by word of mouth or referral from a friend, they become online customers. Um, and And we like to make a personal connection by just a, a brief handwritten note in each package that we ship out. Um, you know, just to say thank you let them know that we, we you know, we, 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 uh, really appreciate their support. Uh, and, uh, um, you know, more than just, you know, Hey, thanks for buying our coffee. Um, you know, we're really grateful that you chose our coffee. There's a, there are a lot of choices out there. I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, I know that you said, you know, you're, you're, you're a coffee drinker. There are a lot of options and you know what, uh, try them all out. Um, it's, it's a, it's a huge, huge industry with, with so many different options available uh, with types of coffee and, and roasts and preparation and whatnot. The, the, the idea that somebody would choose ours, you know, and spend their money on it is, is just uh, it, it's humbling. And, and we're, and we're very grateful for that. And so we want to, you know, communicate that uh, with our customers that we know that they had, they had a, a decision to make and they chose us. And so we don't want to let them down. We want want to make sure that we always keep our focus on the quality of the coffee the quality of our service to our customers, um, and, uh, um, you know, uh, with the hope that they'll come back to us again.
1: Yeah. That's, uh, especially as a small business and in an industry where there's, like you just said, a ton of different, uh, options, um, yeah, one way to, to certainly differentiate yourself from the others is that that attention to detail. Uh, it's that customer service. It's you know focusing on the things that you can control, the quality of the coffee, and, and the customer service. Um, I think I think especially in this day and age, um, it's and everything seems to be done online you know there's not a lot that's done especially um from a consumer standpoint face to face i mean between you know amazon i mean primarily amazon right? like everyone whatever they need they can get through amazon and then with the pandemic everyone resorted to you know ordering groceries having them delivered or brought out to their car so there was no interaction so when you order something especially from a small business and then you have that handwritten note like it's it's almost like, you know, the how how we stay connected in 2021, 2022 now, um, you know, in a time when, you know, the connection with a lot of people was lost or it was, you know, it wasn't really even an option uh, for, you know, the better part of two years. So I, I, I absolutely love that approach um, that you guys are taking there.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely. I, I think one thing I've learned over the years, you know, with all the
1: all my travel and you know,
0: eating out in restaurants and whatnot. Uh, one of the things I look for, like w- when we go out to, uh, to to dinner or try a new restaurant, is is the owner there. I mean, I, I like to meet the owner. I like there. There are a couple restaurants we go to here where we we are repeat customers because that the owner will go to every table. He's there. He'll bus tables, um, uh, and and you know these are these are crowded, very active uh, restaurants, but. Uh, um, it's important, if it's important to the owner, they're willing to meet with customers face to face, then they know that they're going to get feedback directly uh, on the quality of their, their, their food, uh, their service. Uh, And uh, uh, to me, that that means that that they care about what they're doing, they care about their customers. And uh, they only want to improve. And so that makes me keep coming back. And I I think I've just kind of observe that and learn that. And I want to put that into what we're doing. Um, you know, I don't want there to be a time, uh, you know, uh, you know, if, when our, our business grows, uh, where I'm not interfacing directly with customers. Um, I think, I think, uh, you really run a risk of losing what your customers want and, and, uh, how you can best serve them.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I could not agree more. So how did you guys land on the name Karen Coffee Roasters?
0: Oh, yes. So so we wanted to do something uh, that that made that connection to the uh, uh, to the outdoors Um, and, uh, um, you know, what's something we could we could uh, identify our brand with because we we knew we wanted to support uh, conservation and outdoor activities. Um, but, uh, you know, where could we, where could we land with that? And, and, uh, so I looked at a couple of names and there are already, uh, coffee roasters with, uh, those types of brand names and, um, you know, it's, uh, uh, which, which is great. I mean, that's, that's good for, that's good for conservation. Uh, but, um, when, when we lived in Seattle, we did a lot of hiking there. Uh, we would come across these stacks of rocks, which we learned were, uh, uh, called cairns. Um, and it's a it's a Scottish Gaelic term, as as uh, Merriam Webster uh, defines it, just literally means a heap of stones piled up in a memorial or as the landmark. Right? I yeah. think more literally, it means stack of rocks. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, we would see those, and that's kind of where we got got introduced uh, to it. And uh, uh, you know, sometimes they're clever. They're obviously, uh, you know, they're, they're man made. It doesn't matter where you see one; it stands out. It's man made. Uh, and uh, they're you know used as uh, you know backcountry navigation aids uh, help you ensure that, that you're on the right path um, you know this is also to identify where you are um, uh, is you know as as a landmark and, and we thought that was uh, uh, you know a neat name it's it's a you know single syllable uh, <laughs> and it also generates questions so uh, customers who encounter us for the uh, first time want to know. Uh, what that is, you know, are we into the dogs? Are we from Australia? Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then we explain it to them and, and a lot of people, uh, you know, cause we interact with a lot of people who also enjoy the outdoors say, oh yeah, I've seen those. Um, and, um, they, they occur really, uh, I think all around the world. Uh, but, um, um, at least, you know, throughout Europe, uh, uh, some in the Middle East and uh, up in the Arctic as well. Um. Uh, and I, and I, now I do want to uh, uh maybe interject here I I'm, I'm not encouraging people to go out and build uh uh, uh cairns you know <laughs> uh we've actually been to locations where it's like okay well now that's kind of an eyesore because yeah. there's you know 35 of them around uh the the otherwise uh, uh beautiful waterfall uh but it's it's a uh, you know a kind of a memorable brand name we thought tied us to the outdoors and also um you know because of its uh, meaning as a as a as a landmark that speaks to what we want to do um, you know we want to make a, a, a landmark something memorable um, it's you know for us is it helps us uh, you know know that we're on the right path if you will uh, but then uh, for customers uh, you know it's a uh, it's a landmark for a quality uh, copy yeah and uh, so yeah we took that and ran with it
1: yeah, no, it's, uh, <clears throat> the, the approach all the way around, uh, I think you guys hit the nail on the head on, on all those different avenues, um, when, you know, something short and easy to remember, uh, I clearly with the average conservationist did not take that approach. And sometimes, uh, I really kick myself for that <laughs> one for having to write it out, uh, as much as I do, but then I get a lot of people who will see the name in passing, uh, look at it quickly, uh. I've gotten the average conservative. I've gotten uh, conversationalist. Uh, I've gotten just a ton of words that are not conservationist uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, so, no kudos to you uh, for coming up with something short, meaningful, and to the point. You guys, uh, you guys definitely got that one right. Good. Well, well, thank you. Yeah,
0: uh, numerous years sitting in uh, marketing brainstorming meetings. Like, oh man, that's just. I just don't think we can do
1: that. Yeah. <laughs> so. So how did you guys learn about uh, 2% for conservation?
0: Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I had uh, uh, been uh, looking around, actually online, for conservation organizations. Uh, we knew we were going to support, um, you know, so our, our focus on conservation is really around uh, trails and, and uh, uh, national parks and, and hiking and, uh, um, you know, uh, access. Uh, for people to get out and and encourage them to, excuse me, encourage them to get outdoors and spend some time uh, uh, hiking. Um, So, uh, you know, would it be uh, one organization, two organizations, what would it be? Um, And, and we, you know, we felt that, well, you know, there's, there's so much going on. It's such a diverse uh, uh, community and so many opportunities. We should look around and see, um, you know, is there, is there, uh, you know, like a, a national organization or something we can do that then also distributes, uh, uh, funds, uh, to these more local or, or state, um, uh, locations. And, and that's, that's how we came across, uh, 2%, uh, you know, I read about it online and, and, uh, had a phone call uh, with Jared and, uh, we talked about it. And of course we had already met the, uh, uh, uh the, uh, uh, certification, uh, Uh, requirements. And so it was just a natural fit to move into. It also helps us when we're talking with customers, you know, we, we put that uh, 2% stamp on all of our coffee bags. Uh, We promote it when we're at farm markets and, and uh, we'll point that out. And customers will will ask, well, what is that? And then we'll explain to them, you know, uh, we give 2% not just financially, but, but also uh, of our, of our time uh, to, uh, to help with these, uh, these activities. So uh, it also helps keep us, uh, focused on doing that, right? Because you can, uh, uh, you know, you can, you can forget about the fact that, okay, well, you know, we're just giving some money to these organizations and you move on when you have to dedicate some time. Well, now you have to be very intentional about what you're doing. Where am I going to focus? What am I going to do? How can I best uh, uh, contribute? Uh, you know, in addition to, to uh, contributing financially, uh, what can we do and how can we uh, promote that? So, I, I'm not going to say that we have that completely figured out. Um, uh, you know, we, we look for uh, volunteer opportunities. I got, my, um, I got certified uh, last year as a hunter safety instructor in North Carolina. Uh, so um, I'm doing that uh, uh, as that opportunity uh, presents itself. Um, and uh, my wife is looking more for uh, opportunities to help with uh, trail maintenance, cleanup, stream cleanup. There, some of the local organizations here do that as well. So I think that that's what uh, really uh, got us uh, 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 convinced that that was the way to go. It's not just the financial commitment. You have to be intentional about how you're giving back and, um, um, you know, where you're spending your time.
1: Yeah. And that's, you kind of bring up a good point there of being intentional with your time because it's, it's almost weird to say, but when it comes to uh, you know, donating money, writing a check. Now, for, for small businesses like ours, uh, obviously, uh, we care about, you know, where we're making those donations. And this isn't a slight at, at larger companies, but it's a little bit easier for them uh, when it's, you know, a large company where, you know, like you or I, it's, you know, you and your wife, you know, in this particular instance, it's me and my wife uh, with with our business. So when we send that money, um, you know, it's it's, we... We put the envelope, or we put in the envelope, or we meet with you know someone from the organization, and then you know, ten minutes later, you're like, okay, that's done, it's gone. You know, there's 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 not really anything we can do about it. We mm-hmm. can't point to something and say that's that's what that money is it, it has done. I mean, you you still feel good about it, but with you know being intentional with your time and. Actually getting your boots on the ground, you know, after, you know, half a day of a river cleanup, you could have a bag of trash and you can kind of point to it and say, this is what I did. This is the impact that, right. that my time made today. And from a personal standpoint, that's that's way more impactful for me. And I think, you know, even for, you know, getting our kids, you know, our youth involved, um, having something kind of physical and finite that they can, you know, reach out and touch or that they can actually see uh, the difference that they've made uh, is critical. And it it really kind of helps people uh, stay motivated going forward with that.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I mean, you know, I'm 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 a kind of person. I like tangible results. Yeah, you know, something I can see and 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 whatnot, and and uh, you know, my uh, uh, experiences starting to help teach uh, um, you know hunter education classes last year. It was great to interact with uh, the the students and and uh, uh, you know hear their questions and hear hear their their stories and feedback as well and you know, and know that uh, it was important to them. And they didn't just show up um, to check a box so they could get their, their license. They showed up and, and interacted and, and got something out of it. You know, likewise, like you said, you know, if you go um, uh, part of a, you know, a stream cleanup project uh, or if, uh, you know, what we'd like to do is get out and help with some of the trail maintenance. So that's tens of thousands of hours of volunteer work that gets done there. Um, and, uh, uh, you have something tangible at the end of the day, you know, that I, it was my efforts, I directly contributed here. This helped and it's beneficial, uh, um, uh, to, you know, to, to, uh, the environment and uh, help, helps other people get out and enjoy it as well.
1: Yeah. So what are some of the organizations that you guys are actually working with there in North Carolina?
0: Yes, yeah, so, so uh, obviously as a small business, you know, I, I can't brag about massive uh, dollars that we've contributed. But, hey, that's, uh, we, that's we, all right. <laughs> I mean, we are we are average conservationists, right? So we're we're uh... <laughs> welcome to the club. There's plenty <laughs> <Yeah>. of room. <laughs> uh, we we, uh, we we have put our focus uh, for the company. We have put our focus on, um, like I think I said earlier, on, on hiking. Uh, and uh, uh, trail stewardship. So uh, a great local organization here in central and North and South Carolina, is called the Carolina thread trail. Uh, and they're developing a, you know, a series of interconnected trails all throughout, I think across about 15 counties, uh, oh, wow. connecting urban and suburban centers in North Carolina and South Carolina. They have planned a 1600 mile network of interconnected trails. They have about 270 miles completed currently. Um, and it's tremendous work. They do it in partnership with uh, the Catawba Land Conservancy, so it's a land trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have, uh, uh, I think, about seventeen thousand acres currently in the trust, uh, and they want to grow it to fifty thousand. So they take, you know, um, uh, old farms or inactive farms. They take uh, donations of land and property. So a lot of the the Thread Trail crosses uh, those properties, but also. The thread trail uh, crosses uh, some, uh, you know, uh, uh, farmland, you know, private farmland and whatnot. You know, they have uh, right away and, and whatnot. It's a, it's a it's a huge undertaking, but we're we're big believers in uh, uh, getting outside. I think, uh, um, you know, not to wax nostalgic, but there's there's so much <laughs> about our modern culture and society that's inside, uh, you know, tied yeah. to our our devices, our electronics devices. I mean, I catch myself doing it all the time. Um, And, and it's, it it will be great to, um, it is great. And it will be, you know, even better to have this uh, uh, very accessible network of trails that you can, you can hike on a lot of them you can bike on Um, some are paved some are natural surface. Uh, Plus they have uh, uh, all of these uh, blue ways that they're interconnecting. So you can kayak or canoe as part of the trail system uh, as well. So it's not just, you know building a trail it's conserving the land uh it's making it accessible for people to use it's conserving the waterways uh and whatnot I, we just think that that's a, a you know a, a tremendous example of what you know a, the vision of of one or two people can bring about and, and you know benefit an entire community so so we we love to 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 use those trails uh to, to contribute uh, financially uh, and uh, look for ways to also uh, contribute our time. Um, we also uh, give to uh, the Friends of the Smokies. They they work with the National Park Service to help uh, preserve the the Great Smoky Mountains uh, National Park. Um, and it, w- it was just a beautiful park. I think it is the most or or one of the, like the top two uh, visited national parks in the country. So it, it does get crowded, but um, they're, they have they maintain a lot of backcountry. Uh, you know, campsites and hiking opportunities. I mentioned the fishing uh, earlier. Um, and so just a, just a great work there. Um, and uh, it just, you know, just to maintain all of those, all of those trails, improve them, you know, because there's, there's deadfall, that has to be cleared. There's erosion and, you know, wear and tear on all of those trails. And, and again, just to, to, to keep it available. So, so people can get out uh, and uh, uh, enjoy um, uh, the outdoors. Uh, and then, and then lastly, we just started, uh, at the end of last year, uh, the, uh, mountains to sea trail. I can't say that I have a lot of experience with that. We did donate uh, financially. It, that's another great project. It's a, uh, a trail that connects Western North Carolina, you know, the Western Western side, you know, the Tennessee border, uh, all the way to the outer banks. Oh, wow. Um, off the coast. Yeah. So they have a 1200 mile trail planned, um they've got about 700 miles completed of uh, footpath the rest is on roads and and stuff like that you know you can still you can section hike it and and whatnot and, and people do uh, i think some people have done through hikes on it but uh again just just uh, a single trail that connects um you know runs through the entire state and, and gives you an opportunity to uh to get out and enjoy it all of these things you know um require require money and time and um um, if, if people who just contribute, it's just a little bit, you, do, you know, nobody's asking anybody, uh, to give thousands of dollars. That's great when they do, um, uh, you know, whether that's, uh, through a, uh, a trust or, or, you know, private donation or corporate donation, but individuals can do that too. That's just a, it's just a small amount, you know, and, and, uh, you know, a bunch of people doing, a, a uh, you know, giving a little bit, uh, really adds up and it helps support all of those uh, trail crews and all those volunteers uh, who are out doing all of that hard work just to make it accessible and uh, keep it, uh, keep it uh, beautiful for us.
1: Yeah. And I love the approach that you guys are taking with, uh, you know, kind of focusing on, uh, you know, uh, more of the hiking trails, accessibility, things like that. And I'm going to go out on a limb here, but it seems like, you know, when you guys were, uh, out in Washington and, you know, your kids are growing up out there and you, you spend a lot of time, uh, hiking, uh, and doing those types of things out there that, you know, hiking, um, you know, whether it's even biking or, or canoeing, I mean, those are things that are much more accessible for everyone in the family, as opposed to, you know, going on, you know, certain hunts or, or fishing trips, which could be, you know, a little bit dicey with a young kid. But if you just want to go out and, and, and go for a walk in the woods with, you know, with two young kids or, you know, whatever, that's much more uh, accessible. It's much more easy to do. You know, even if you got to throw a young one in one of those backpack carriers or something like that, you can get out, you can enjoy it. And it seems like when you focus on Uh, trails and accessibility. It's, it's something that lends itself to, you know, uh, a larger percentage of of the population that wants to get outdoors.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 it's truly a a family activity. And uh, we always uh, uh, smile, my wife and I now, when we're out to just the two, two of us, you know, out for a hike or or whatnot, you know, seeing a young family with uh, small children, you know, and, you know, one who's out, you know, the hard charger out exploring out ahead of everybody. And, uh, all that, you know, just remembering those days, you know, of, of being out with our, our kids when they were, when they were small, it's just a great way for a family to get out and, and enjoy a day or a couple of days, take advantage of the great, uh, campgrounds available in our state parks, the national parks. Um, and, uh, just, just enjoy some time together. Uh, it just creates memories, um, and, uh, helps instill in them a, a love and appreciation for the outdoors as well.
1: Yeah. We, uh, we try to do that. Uh, gosh, was it last weekend? No, excuse me, two weekends ago, um, our family, uh, along with like five, four other uh, families who are who we're friends with that have young kids, also, we went on what was supposed to be a, a spring ski trip uh, up to the UP here in Michigan, and we knew. I mean, our kids are my kids are are, are fairly young, especially my son, so we knew the skiing was probably not going to be the primary focus mm. for for our kids. So we planned ahead. We're like, okay, one day we'll, we'll, we'll try to ski, but likely the second day um, we're just gonna have to, it, it's probably not gonna work. We're gonna, you know, in the UP there, especially uh, in Marquette where we are at, there's a ton of, of super accessible uh, trails and things like that that you can hike and enjoy. So we're like, we'll just plan on doing that one day. So we uh, yep. we go to this, uh, it's called Presque Isle Park uh, in, in Marquette there. And it's, uh, you know, it's a long Lake Superior, a beautiful area. Well, one, when we got up there, there was way more snow left than uh, either my wife or I had anticipated, which wasn't a bad thing, especially for for skiing. But on Saturday, when we're like, okay, we're going to go for a hike in the morning, uh, we woke up, and this is, you know, second week of March. Uh, We wake up, we get ready, we drive, you know, the 20 minutes to get there, whatever. We get out of the car, and it's like nine degrees, and the wind off of Lake Superior is just whipping so hard that I, like our, our son, um, we, well, he, he was just like trying to hide his face because it was so cold. Oh. So I think oh, we man. lasted, you know, uh, like 0.2 miles out and the, the point two miles to get back. And like, <laughs> and like 15, 20 minutes later, we were back in the car. We're like, well, that didn't exactly take. <laughs>
0: That's Right. Yeah. It's a memorable experience, but yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, uh, it, we tried. We tried.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so we, yeah, we, we had similar experiences, you know, with that. Of course, you know, living in uh, Seattle or the Pacific Northwest, you know, uh, it really does rain. You learn to go out and do things in the rain, or, you know, there are long stretches of time where you'll never, never go out and do anything. Right. Um, but uh, we had gone uh, camping. It was uh, uh, about the, I think it was a July 4th weekend up in the North Cascades. We're like, oh, yeah, it'll be perfect. You know, we were like our second maybe our third year there. And uh, so we went up and we were camping and it was, it was kind of chilly and stuff like that. And, um, you know, we had this uh, one uh, uh, trail we were going to take the kids on and of course it was closed cause it was still snowed in, <laughs> you know, and you have to, you're like, Oh yeah, I guess. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> um, you know, a little, little better planning and, and, and whatnot, but, but, you know, uh, still, even, even with your kids and that experience, you, you know, you're intentional about it. You, you got out and, and you did it. And uh, there'll be
1: something to look forward to the next time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Blaine, before I let you go here, where can people find Karen Coffee Roasters?
0: So we are at um, um, online at cairncoffeeroasters.us. Uh, and I would love it to be .com, but uh, early on made that uh, mistake of searching for that domain name and someone else bought it. Uh-huh. And I'm, I'm refusing to buy it back from them. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Stand your ground. So it is a, yeah. It's, it's KarenCoffeeRoasters.us. Uh, you can uh, learn a little bit about us on the website. Uh, 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 learn about our coffee. Uh, you can contact us. I um, you know loved to, to to hear from you and uh, um, um, you know your feedback whether you've already purchased our coffee or if you have some questions about it. And, uh, you know, we we also um, uh, are regular vendors locally here at the uh, Matthews Community Farmers Market. And uh, we're also about to start up at the uh, Waxhaw um, uh, Farmers Market uh, in the Charlotte area as well and looking for some other opportunities. So uh, we're definitely around. and We would love to talk to uh, people who are interested in our products.
1: Awesome. Uh, Social media?
0: Social media. Uh, Yes. uh, We're Facebook and Instagram. uh, And uh, um, I I will admit to everybody, this is a a complete weakness of mine. So, so yes, I'm looking for some, uh, for some assistance to to help me out. Uh, You know, uh, I get the media part. It's the social part that I struggle with. Yeah, uh, I know how that goes. So, uh, but you can find us on Facebook and Instagram um, and uh, just look for uh, Karen Coffee Roasters. And uh you c you know, we try to keep uh, people up to date with uh new products, our locations if we're gonna be at events and uh uh things like that. So we'd love to connect with people there as well.
1: Awesome. Well, Blaine, thank you a ton for sitting down and talking with me today. I really enjoyed, you know, hearing your story uh and, and talking about the outdoors and conservation and everything that you guys have going on there. Um and if you made it through, you know starting a business in the middle of a pandemic, uh, I think you guys are definitely on the right track if you're still around here. So, <laughs> Well,
0: I, I appreciate it, Marcus. Thanks so much for the opportunity uh, to be on the podcast. And thank you for uh, you know, promoting uh, small businesses and uh, 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 emphasizing uh, conservation. Uh, we, we're, we're really grateful for the opportunity to be a part of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure, and uh, I certainly uh, enjoy these conversations that I get to have with folks and, and hearing everyone's, you know, story and what they're passionate about from a business side of things and why conservation fits into all that. Uh, it's it, it's certainly um, the best part of my day. So so thank you. No, absolutely. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. Take care. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, Thank you again to Blaine for joining me on the podcast today. I would also like to thank the partners of the podcast, Stone Glacier and Wild Rivers Coffee, as well as 2% for Conservation. Uh, Please go out and be sure to support the brands that support this podcast and help make it possible. And if you're interested in learning more about 2% for Conservation, you can visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And over there, you can check out all the certified brands that have committed to conservation that you should support when you shop. I also encourage you guys to give two percent a follow on social media, where it's going to be only, uh, you know, positive conservation-driven content that uh, pops up in your feed. So you'll certainly enjoy that. So again, if you'd like to learn more about two percent for conservation, you can look for them online on social media or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for joining me this week, everyone. Be sure to check out theaverageconservationist.com and catch up on all the podcast episodes that we have over there, as well as pick up some gear and help support conservation in the process. So as always, until next week, stay safe out there. And remember that conservation starts with you.